0: Welcome, welcome, welcome. I would like to welcome you to episode 328 of the Impopular Podcast. This is the man, the myth, the legend, Jalen Hunter. And here at the Impopular Podcast, I'm not really asking you to agree with me. I'm asking you to hear me out. You know, ever since the news came down that Dan Snyder is finally selling the Washington Commanders or has a deal in principle to sell the washington commanders i've just been on cloud nine i've just been a bit there's been a glee about me you know so I'm going to try my hardest i promise you i'm going to try my hardest to be as unbiased as i can For people that know me people that listen to the podcast you want you know that i'm from maryland i'm I'm from p g county. Uh, I, I, I'm from the DMV I, I grew up watching the Washington At back then it was the Redskins and then it was the football team and now it's the commanders so I have sweat equity I even worked for them I have sweat equity in Washington and how can you tell how a tenure went or is going there's evidence everywhere again i I, i'm trying to tell you i'm going to be as i'm going to try to be as unbiased as possible but hey i doubt that's going to happen at least this section there's a reason When this news came down, when when the news that Dan Snyder, uh, there's a, I guess, agreement in principle or there's an agreement written up that written up that Josh Harris, who is currently the owner of the 76ers and the New Jersey Devils, I believe. He's leading a group that has a Magic Johnson in it. They will be buying the Washington commanders for like six six point zero five billion dollars. I asked, how can you tell how a tenured is going for somebody or how how the tenured went? And you can always tell by the reaction that you get when you leave or history can tell you how things are going. There's a reason why. And, and, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to stick strictly to football. Because trust me, if I wanted to go personal- we can talk about things that were off the field or or outside of the the walls of the Washington organization when talking about why Dan Snyder was widely considered one of if not the worst owner in football so i'm i'm not even going to i'm not going to broach on the political stuff i'm not going to broach on the personal things what i'm going to do is talk about everything that happened and transpired while Dan Snyder was the owner and why multiple people, not multiple people, why droves and and droves of people are relieved today that Dan Snyder will essentially be out as the owner of the Washington Commanders. Again, You can always tell how something's going by how it's been compared to how it is now and how the reception is when you leave. I am 28 years old. Born 1994. I, my entire life. I've never experienced the highs of the Washington organization. Um, The last Super Bowl that Washington won was what? uh, 1991, three years before I was born. I understand that Washington is one of the few teams in the league that have multiple multiple championships, multiple Super Bowls. I have never lived to see it. And when you look since 1999, when Dan Snyder originally bought or was spearheaded a group that bought the Washington Redskins at the time, since then, Washington has had one of the worst losing record or one of the worst win percentages in the league. I think they're like fifth or sixth, worst. Now, you're saying, how does the owner affect that? Why is it not the coaches? Why is it not the GMs? Why is it not the players? Which, of course, it is. But Dan Snyder, there's been so much. There's a reason why a lot of people say that there's a cloud over. There was a dark cloud for since 1999. There was a dark cloud over the Washington organization. Yes, we've had Joe Gibbs, who's a good coach. Yes, we've had players like Sean Taylor, rest in peace, Clinton Portis, Santana Moss, Pierre Garcon. We had about 10 minutes of Robert Griffin III, Kurt Cousins, uh, Mark Burnell, Rex Grossman, Jason Campbell, We've had a lot of play. we've had a uh, Alex Smith, Colt McCoy, Mark Sanchez for a couple games, Kyle Allen. We've had Washington has never been viable in my enti- in my entire life. Yes, we've had. What we want, we we the last time we went made an appearance in the playoffs, which of course was Taylor Heineke, was in 2020. But since the, like since 19, since I was born, Washington has been to the playoffs one, two, three, four, five, six, six times. Two, 1999, 2005, 2007, 2012, 2015, 2020. When you look at since we are just talking about football what legacy does Dan Snyder hold what legacy does Dan Snyder leave as the owner of the Washington now commanders well Washington was once a a storied franchise once a franchise that was Constantly competing for championships and constantly competing for Super Bowls. I mean, they won three of them. They they were always one of those teams that were in the running to win. Before Dan Snyder got there. And when you think about Dan Snyder, what do you think about? You don't think about... (laughs) Here's the, in, the the biggest indictment of Dan Snyder. And it's not just the winning, it's not just winning and losing or winning percentage or whatever. When you hear the name Dan Snyder, what's the first thing that comes to mind? I'm sure it's not how good Washington's been. I'm sure it's not <laughs> how they they finally changed the name from the redskins to the football team to now the commanders I'm sure it's not the the beautiful culture that he has built When you think of Dan Snyder the first thing you probably think about is well he did have the whole sex ring thing with the with the cheerleaders oh alleged or 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 well he was part of those emails with uh, John Gruden which essentially got John Gruden out of there. John Gruden for the for the Raiders, but there was a there was multiple racial emails that Dan Snyder was a part of that were conveniently muted. It could could be the multiple sexual assault allegations by former staff members and former employees. That that could be what it is. It could be how he has made it, he made Washington such a toxic, toxic environment that people... He has turned Washington. That is a beautiful city, Washington D.C. Um, even though that the, the the stadium is in Largo, but you have Maryland, you have Washington D.C., you have Virginia, a beautiful place, and was once a storied franchise. Was once a store a a, a, a a free agent destination. He turned this and he turned Washington into a place that nobody wants to play mainly because of Dan Snyder or the fact of every single every single person that has left Washington whether it's coaching whether it's players they've all thrived somewhere else or you've brought them to Washington terrible contracts like Hines or like Albert Haynesworth or at the end of their prime, you give up a champ, Bailey, for a Clint Portis. While he was a fan favorite, it he, he still was past his prime. He, this wasn't the Denver Broncos, Clint Portis, that Washington was getting. Dan Snyder was one of the worst owners in sports history. Because you can't name one thing, one thing, one thing that he has done that has been a positive. Or, if he has done something positive, it hasn't, it's, it's come too late. Like, do you know how many times people have complained about the Washington Redskins name? And once... People like FedEx, who is, of course, the sponsor of the stadium. Once they said, you know, we'll pull out if you don't change the name. All right, we got to pull out now. Now it's affecting our dollars. Now, I'm not going to put that all on Dan Snyder because, you know, there's still racial names out there that have yet to be changed. But again, you can't name me one positive thing that Dan Snyder has done for the team. One. That is how you know he hasn't had the best tenured. What has he done positive for the Washington Commanders? It's a new day in Washington. For the first time in a while, it feels good to be a Washington Commanders fan. <laughs> and if you if you frequent social media, if you see Twitter and you or you know anybody that's a Washington fan, ask them how they feel today. I put money the 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 response would be uniform. I don't know much about Joe Harris. I don't know much. I mean, I know Magic Shout out to Magic Johnson, of course I know who Magic Johnson is. And, and he now owns or part owner of three of the four major sports, uh, U.S. sport leagues. So shout out to him. So I don't know what Joe Harris is going to do. I don't know what Magic Johnson is going to do. I don't know if they're going to change the... F- Fortune. In fact, I'm almost a thousand percent sure they're gonna change the fortune because they can't even if they don't succeed, they can't make the organization any more worse than Dan Snyder has. And if you and if you think I'm being too biased and too harsh, I'll hit you with some numbers before we move on. Washington has had one of the worst losing percentages. I think nearly 50% since 1999. Before 1999, Washington made 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19 playoff appearances before 1999. After 1999, 1, 2, 3, 5. Since 1999, Washington has had The second most coaches, I mean, no, second most quarterbacks start for their team. Only behind the Cleveland Browns. Since 1999, Washington has had the third most coaches. only behind, of course, the Cleveland Browns. And hmm. (laughs) Actually, I'm sorry. The second most, only behind the Cleveland Browns. Since 1999, Washington has had one of the lowest attendance rates and has been deemed voted, this is by fans, this is by players, this is by organizations, voted the worst organization in the NFL since 1999. And you're probably asking yourself, why do I keep saying since 1999? Well, That is when Dan Snyder bought the team. That is when Dan Snyder bought the team. Mm. I'm not saying that because we have a new owner or because Washington has a new owner, they are going to be Super Bowl champions or they're going to be now powerhouse or be powerhouses again in the NFC what I'm saying is this spells hope This it feels like a new light a new like you ever take off a a weight vest and, and how light you feel that's what it feels like being a Washington fan now especially with Dan Snyder Essentially being out. I'm happy. If you, if, if you want to get a biased opinion from me. Dan Snyder did absolutely nothing. Positive for Washington. And if it wasn't for 13 minutes of RG3. A couple years with Joe Gibbs. Kurt Cousins and Mark Brunel. They would have nothing. Nothing. Oh, and they keep on which is which is nasty. They keep on writing the death of Sean Taylor. And doing it very distastefully, might I add. feels good to be a Washington fan right now. And it's funny because I haven't said that in a while. I've said that, but I haven't said it and meant it in a while. It is. It feels good to be a Washington Commanders fan. And good riddance to Dan Snyder. So, one of the biggest reasons also that I said that I'm just excited today and I'm excited about this time is... NBA playoff basketball. Again, we know if you know me, you know I love the playoffs. You know I love NBA. NBA is my basketball is my favorite sport. So we are here, and while I'm recording this, this is Friday afternoon. There's still two play on uh, playing games that happen. The Thunder have to play the Timberwolves, and the Bulls have to play the Heat the winner of the bulls and the heat game will be playing the bucks the winner of the timberwolves and thunder game will be playing the Ma- the, the the nuggets of course the 7th seed 2 and 7 seed are of course the 7th seed that was in the plan they that has been decided that is the grizzlies going against the lakers and the Celtics going against the Hawks the Raptors and the Pelicans are both out of the tournament because they lost. I'm not going to spend too much time on the plane except for the fact of when you lose kind of like the Raptors lost, they lost and they missed like 18 free throws. Now, yeah, shouts out to DeMar, DeMar DeRozan's daughter. She was you know, yelling and screeching every single time that the Raptors were at the free throw line. But if you lose a close game like that, after being up 19 points, by the way, 19 points, I think, in the third quarter, and you lose, and then you also miss 19 free throws, changes are going to come. I don't think that his it's his fault, but lo- losing like that is kind of how you see someone like Nick Nurse, the coach, get up out of there. And we've been saying all year that, the the Raptors are going to need to make change. We've been saying that for a couple of years now. The Raptors are going to make need to make changes, and losing like that, you kind of it it it's going to happen. I don't know who's going to go. People are going to go because you don't you're not up eighteen or nineteen points in a play in. Miss eighteen eighteen free throws, and lo- and and nothing changes. Nah. And uh, the Pelicans also, you hear a lot about the Pelicans and you hear a lot about, you know, Zion Williamson not playing. And it really goes – But he, he said physically he's 100%. They're physically clearing him to play. It's just mentally and then everything. I get it, especially this, you know, the new age of sports. New, and mental health is important. All I would say is this is a – The Pelicans are one of the best teams in the league with Zion Williamson playing. And the crazy thing about that is Zion Williamson barely played with Brandon Ingram. So I can imagine how Zion Zion Williamson and Brandon Ingram would play together in a playoff series, but we will not know right now because they lost. So I'm not going to stay too much on the plan. What I'm going to do is I'm going to break down every break down every series and give my prediction the reason, and again i understand there's playing games i don't it doesn't matter who the <laughs> who the bucks play if they play the bulls if they play the heat the bucks are the bucks is the best team in in really basketball right now if you really look at it they are the best team they have the best record they have the best player I said I, I, a couple episodes ago, I said that they were number two to the to the Boston Celtics. Well, they have since proven me wrong, and I think they're the best team. Giannis is playing at an all-time level right now, and I don't think he's going to win MVP, but definitely in the conversation to win his third MVP. Of course, you have Drew Holiday, who's one of the most underrated players the, the thing that I, I think that the Bucks are going to go as far as Chris Middleton takes them. Now, I know that you said, but what about Giannis? I, we know Giannis is the best player on the team. Giannis is arguably the best player in the league. However, when you're playing against maybe a Celtics down the line, maybe a, 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 a 76ers down the line, you have... It can't just be Giannis, and as we saw last year with Chris Milton out, that's what decided the 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 fate, I guess, of the of the Bucks, especially when they had to play against the Celtics. So, while yes, we know Giannis is good, you're only going to go as far as Chris Milton takes you. Now, or I'm not going to say Chris Milton takes you. You're only going to if Chris Middleton is right. You are going. I think the Bucks are going to make it to the NBA finals. If not, we'll see. But I don't care if Chris Millsons out or not. I ha- I don't think that the Bulls nor the Heat have a shot to beat the Bucks. So that's why I only have a picture of Giannis up there and not the series matchup cuz it doesn't matter. I don't think it matters at all who plays the Bucks between the Heat and the Bulls. Yeah, the Bulls again it was a good run if they do win if it was a, it was a good run as far as coming back from 19 down but you were down 19 to a raptors team that struggles to score and it doesn't matter if the heat the heat should have beat the hawks but the the heat game was a microcosm of exactly how the season went one person does good, nobody else does. Usually that one person is Jimmy Butler, and everyone else struggles. Well, this game, it was Kyle Lowry. Everyone else pretty much struggled. And the Heat, for some reason, struggled with scoring. It doesn't matter. The Bucks are going to win that series, I think, between anyone. And I have it's being a gentleman sweep, meaning the Bucks in five, four or five, honestly, with the Bulls or Heat. That's how good the Bucks are. That's how good the Bucks can be. So, then you have a very interesting matchup, and that is the Bulls or the Cleveland Cavaliers and the New York Knicks. To me, out of every single, and I mean every, when I say every single, I mean every on East and West, this is the most. This is the closest matchup that we have. Both these teams have kind of been a surprise this entire year. Yes, we knew, and yes, we thought the Cleveland Cavaliers were going to be good, but we didn't under, we didn't know how good they can be with Donovan Mitchell. I didn't think they were good enough to be a four-seed in the East. I thought they were good enough to make the playoffs, but I also didn't think that when your backcourt is being led by Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland, I didn't think that the team, a team like that could be as good defensively as they are while no Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland are not good defensively they're actually one of the worst defensive backcourts as a team Cleveland has one of the best if not the best defense that's behind Evan Mobley that's behind uh you know the the, the bigs at that, that Jared Jared Allen so It it was shocking to me that that the Cleveland Cavaliers were that good. And the same can be said for the the Knicks. I know it's – you can't be a Dallas fan and look at Jalen Brunson and think to yourself, like, what if? Jalen Brunson has completely turned this Knicks team around. And – don't get me wrong, the Knicks team was good, especially with Julius Randle, especially with R.J. Barrett, especially with Emmanuel Quickley, who I think is going to win Sixth Man of the Year. But you know what the Knicks are fighting? The Knicks are fighting history. The Knicks are fighting history and perception. We talked about that last episode, history and perception. And what do I mean by that? Everyone, The Knicks, you can have a good season, have a good regular season. We've seen this several times. But usually, once it once it gets down to the, the the playoffs, you see the real Knicks, and and they have some embarrassing playoff losses, like the the Atlanta Hawks. But then they have playoff losses that you like. Hey, I understand. But one thing that we do know is the Knicks have been for a while now just a regular season team. So the question is, can they? get over the hump and can the Cavaliers can the Cavaliers win I think this would be their first their first series win without LeBron James if they win this I believe that I could be wrong but I think if the Cleveland Cavaliers win this series this will be their first series win without LeBron James the keys to this match, the keys to this matchup, in my opinion, is the backcourt for the the Cleveland Cavaliers, and who is going to be the consistent scorer outside of Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle for the Knicks. We know how good Donovan Mitchell is. I think he just finished the regular season with, like, four or five straight 40-point games. We know how good Donovan Mitchell is, and we know how good Darius Garland can be. I think he has a—Darius Garland has a 50-point game this year, I believe, or last year. It's just, are the, is that going to be able to translate to the playoffs? And for the Knicks, we know how good Jalen Brunson has been, and we know how good Julius Randle has been. Both of them. I mean, Julius Randle, I think he has a sixty-point game, sixty-five-point game, or something like that. It's or fifty-nine-point game, something. It's just it, R.J. Barrett has struggled majority of this year. Emmanuel quickly has been good, but of course, the playoffs are different from the 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 regular season. As we clearly know. I think that this is probably going to be the most even matchup, honestly, in the entire playoffs. Now, I don't think there's going to be drastic blowouts or anything. But this one is the hardest one to pick for me. And I'm going to go with Knicks in seven. I just think the defense that the Cleveland Cavaliers hold... Or the defense that the Cleveland Cavaliers play doesn't stop the Knicks at their best positions outside of Julius Randle. But Julius Randle's ability to step out and and, and, and hit a three and hit a jump shot definitely bodes well. Because you're not scoring anything in the paint when we talk about the Cleveland Cavaliers. And I think that the matchup between Evan Mobley and Julius Randle is going to be the key to this, to this entire playoff series, series, who wins? Who makes it? Like who? Whoever wins that battle, Evan Mobley and Julius Randall, I think is going to win the series. And because I think Donovan Mitchell is going to outplay J- uh, Jalen Brunson, even though Jalen Brunson has been good. Don't get me wrong, but I just think Donovan Mitchell is a better player, and he's going to outplay them. Darius Garland, we know that, but you know. If we get a big if we get a big series out of R.J. Barrett, then this that changes a lot of things. I just I just think that I think that the Knicks are plant have played so well this year, and I think that the Knicks with the infusion of Jalen Brunson is bigger than than we really can quantify as far as how important his energy is and his scoring and just how important he is to this Knicks team and I think he is going to propel them past the Cleveland Cavaliers. So, I have the Knicks beating the Cavaliers in 7. Which really means it's like a toss-up series, but I have Cleveland in 7. Um <laughs> The 76ers and and Brooklyn. That's that's going to be that's that's probably going to be a sweep. Don't get me wrong. A lot of the damage, a lot of the 45 wins that the Nets have garnered of course came when they had Kyrie, when they had Kevin Durant before the trades. And don't get me wrong, Mikael Bridges has been incredible. He's been a lot better scoring than I thought he would. Of course, you have Spencer Dinwiddie. You also have Cam Johnson, all of which have been good for the Nets. However, there's a reason why a majority... I think they I think they only won, what, 10 or 11 games since losing Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Uh, And now you're playing against a team in the 76ers that has the potential uh, MVP, that has James Harden, and James Harden has a lot to prove, that has Tyrese Maxey, that has Tobias Harris... I think they're going to get swept. I think this is going to be a sweep. It's it's. Mm-mm. I just I don't see it. I don't see any way, shape, or form the Nets can pull this off. And that's the thing. Even if, even I think this is again the the Nets are resting on what the hell Kyrie Irving and KD did for them. They're not winning this series. I I've, I would be shocked if they won a game. To be honest, don't get me wrong. Mikael Bridges is great. Cam Thompson is great. They or they're, they're really good scores, and Mikael Bridges is a really really good two way player. Uh, by far, Brooklyn's best player. But there's no, I don't, I don't see any way, shape, or form that the Seventy Sixers lose this series. I have Seventy Sixers in four. They have, even though Nick Claxton is, has been really good and could be in the conversation with Defensive Player of the Year, they they haven't, they don't have anybody that can go toe-for-toe toe with either Joel Embiid or, honestly, James Harden, if James Harden comes to play. So maybe Mikel Bridges with James Harden, but uh, no, nah. I, I have a... Uh, I have the Seventy Sixers winning this one very easily. That and that's another thing. No, no team here is without flaw. That's one thing that you've seen in the regular season, and that's one thing that you'll see in the playoffs. Not one team is without flaw. The biggest flaw that the Seventy Sixers have. It or has is their bench their bench is one of the least scoring benches in the league and the 76ers play a player that is an a, a legit self-tech self-check and he and that is of course pj tucker pj tucker is good defensively but he will give you absolutely nothing on the offense side of the ball so they're pretty much playing four on five when they're talking when they're playing offense once joellen b goes to the bench it's going to they're they're, they struggle mightily because he is so much of their offense the problem is the nets have absolutely no counter to that like the nets they they don't have a big that can just come in and wreak havoc outside of mikhail bridges they don't really have but we don't know how consistent mikhail bridges can be scoring the ball especially in the playoffs The, the again every team has a flaw it's just you know i I just don't see it with the seventy sixers I don't as far as this series I don't see the nets capitalizing on those flaws so i have seventy sixers win this series in four one thing that you all that we also know about basketball is basketball is a game of matchups and some matchups are better than the others We'll talk about that a lot more on the western side western conference side but Basketball is about matchups and that's one of the biggest reasons why I think the Heat missed a golden opportunity is because if they would have beat the Hawks, they would have been, they would have went up against the Celtics. And I think that the Celtics and the Heat match up better with each other than the Celtics and the Hawks. I don't. A lot of a lot of the Celtics' success, of course, is behind Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. But in the playoffs, I think it's going to be the others. Like, how does Malcolm Brogdon fare? How does Grant Williams fare? How does Robert Williams fare? Because Robert Williams, they pretty much had him on bubble wrap this entire year. The Haw- This is a terrible matchup for the Hawks. Terrible matchup from every position. Trey Young, he's a great player, but he's he's smaller side. You throw the former defensive player of the year on him and Marcus smart that it, it's just the, I don't see the Hawks. Maybe the Hawks can win a game. Maybe two. I just don't see the Hawks being able to capitalize on the Celtics because with the Celtics, So the, the, the weakness for the Celtics is they are the definition of live by the three die by the three. They, if they're hitting their threes, they're damn near unstoppable. If they're missing their threes or you're effectively slowing down a Jason Tatum or a Jalen Brown. They're going. You you have a good shot of winning because that means then you know Malcolm Brogdon has to score more, or or Al Horford has to score more, or Marcus Smart is taking bad shots. This team, the the Boston Celtics have has rode the 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 Jason Tatum and and Jalen Brown wave this entire year. Which don't get me wrong, they have been. I think the highest scoring duo in the league. So it makes sense. But again, that's that's tough basketball when you get to the playoffs. But I just don't think that it's going to matter when you go against the, the Hawks, because it's just a bad matchup. I don't see Bogdanovich doing anything defensively. Uh John Collins, this this series kind of neutralizes him because it takes him away from the from the from the paint. I, I just, I just, ha- I have the Celtics winning in five or six. I just, I, it's a t- now. If there was the Heat, I think it could be a six, seven game series because of defensively how the Heat matches up with the Celtics and how you know the, the, the physicality that the Heat play does not or bodes well for the Heat and not as well for the Celtics. However, they're playing the Hawks and the Hawks have had turmoil all year. And they don't really, I don't, the Hawks don't have, doesn't have anyone that can slow down Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown in that matter. So I have the Celtics in maybe five or six. The same thing I said for the Bucks is the same thing I can kind of say for the Nuggets. Yes, I like the Timberwolves. Yes, I like the, the Thunder. But I don't have them beating the Nuggets at all. I think that the Nuggets have probably the most to prove as far as a team. Seeing as though they constantly are are amongst one of the top Western Conference teams in the playoffs, yet they I mean, they fall short every single year. I think the one year they went to the Western Conference Finals was the bubble. And we know how that how that happened. Um I wasn't the it wasn't yeah. They was and yeah. Uh I just uh, what I'll say is this it is about matches and I think that you know we we don't know the health status or we don't know the health of Nicole cuz we know he's going to play but he did miss a lot of games down the stretch due to injury and again I'm 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 recording this before the game so if they go up against a Timberwolves I think that's harder of a matchup when you have Carl Anthony Towns and you have Rudy Gobert, I think that would be a tougher matchup for the Nuggets because of their size and they can throw players at um, they can throw players at Nicole Jokic and for the for the Dem- or for the Thunder, the the Nuggets don't play that good defensively and they don't have anybody in my opinion that can really slow down Shay Gilgers I know they're probably Going to put Morris on On him But Yeah nah. I, I just But I just think that As a collective team There's a reason why The Nuggets were number one With Nicole Jokic With Aaron, Aaron Gordon With Jamal Murray They're Michael Porter Jr. They're playing good basketball Now they have Kind of sputtered at the end But That is due to injury and stuff So I do need to see how they are But I don't, I don't It doesn't matter who comes out this plan? I don't think that they're going to beat the Nuggets. I don't think I think they can beat them in a game or two. I don't think the Nuggets are going to sweep anyone, but I do think that whether it's the Thunder, whether it's the Timberwolves, the Nuggets are going to win because they have the best player in the series, and there's a reason why they're number one in the in the standings, so or number one in the West in the standings, so. It doesn't matter who comes out to play. I do think that it'll be more interesting if the Timberwolves come out because of the matchups with Karl-Anthony Towns and Rudy Gobert and Kyle Anderson with uh, the bit with Nicole Jokic, but we'll have to see. Oh, boy. One of the biggest reasons why I went so hard last episode with the Clippers is this this matchup right here. I'm not saying duck anybody or or I'm not saying that you should run from anybody or you should, you know, duck anybody. But what I'm saying is you should be smart and strategic about your run to the finals. The run to the finals is more look every single team. There has not been a team that has won the finals that hasn't caught breaks. That's just that's just sports in general. There's not a team that's won a Super Bowl, that's won a Stanley Cup, that's won a a national championship, that's won an NBA Finals without breaks. You have a golden opportunity in front of you, if you're the Clippers, to lose the last game so you don't have to see the fully powered Phoenix Suns round one, especially when your second best player is out. In Paul George. You didn't take the golden opportunity. You won the game. Now you're seeing the Suns. I think that this is a terrible matchup for the Clippers because of their health status. If Paul George was playing, it would be different. And I I may possibly pick differently. But look at the matchups, man. Russell Westbrook against Chris Paul. Nobody against Devin Booker. That would have been Paul George, Kevin Durant against Kawhi Leonard, Zubots against. De- Look, it's just it's just not a good matchup, especially when you see how good they are, or how how much how how good of a scoring team the Suns are with Kevin Durant on the floor. Again, they have not lost with Kevin Durant in the lineup. Now, there are some things you do see the opponents that they played in the actual players that they played. There are some things that kind of give me concern for the Suns, like they're bench scoring or they're scoring outside of Devin Booker and Kevin Durant. But the Clippers, in my opinion, have absolutely no answer for them. The Clippers... drastically struggle with trying to find shots outside of Kawhi Leonard. Russell Westbrook is not a shooter. Terrence Mann really isn't a shooter. They don't really have a shooter outside of Norman Powell. And you cannot bank your playoff series on the offense of Norman Powell because Norman Powell has struggled mightily this entire year. Like now, I understand it could be the consi- the the lack of consistency in his in his minutes and his role in the team. And I understand that you also got Eric Gordon, but to me, it, 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 I don't think that they have enough because of the law, the injury of Paul George. They don't have enough to beat the Suns. They, now, if they would have lost the last game of the regular season, they wouldn't have to play the Suns. But lo and behold, they're here. I I think that the Suns are good. when they're when they're firing all cylinders. I think that they're good enough to make it to the NBA Finals, and the same thing for the Clippers. But as we know, the Clippers are not firing on all cylinders right now because they do not have Paul George, and you're going up against a perfectly healthy team against a team that's losing or that does not have their second best player. I have the Suns winning this in about five or six I think that the, there's going to be a game where Kawhi Leonard goes crazy and and the 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 defense the, the physicality and the height and the, the 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 athleticism that the Clippers have is going to kind of overwhelm the Suns maybe a game or two but the leech scoring that the Suns hold I just don't think that the Clippers can match that as far as an entire series. So I have the Suns winning this series in about, and in, in probably f- f- five games. I got Suns in five. Again, it would be different if Paul George was playing, but Paul George is in fact not playing. And yeah. Yeah. Not to mention, it's like you can't say this is foreign. The whole strategically planning your planning your trip to the finals because the Clippers did this when they made it to the Western Conference Finals, and they arguably could have made it to the NBA Finals because they went up against the Suns. They could have made it to the NBA Finals. Was it 2020 if they would have, or 21, 2021 if they would have had Kawhi Leonard, but they didn't. And now you're going without your second best player in Paul George. Yeah. The match, the most intriguing, well, one of the most intriguing matchups is, of course, the Kings against this, the the Warriors. This matchup is intriguing and has so many storylines to it. And this and one, this is one of the reasons why this is probably, in my opinion, the most fascinating, the most interesting matchup. You have a team that hasn't been to the playoffs since what 2006, I think. Going against the reigning champs. You're going against a coach in Steve Kerr. You're going against Mike Brown, who was, of course, the defensive coordinator or the defensive coach for the Warriors last few years. You're going up against the number one offense against the Golden State Warriors. You're going up against one of the worst home or away records against one of the best or the best road team however you're going against a team that again has absolutely no experience in the playoffs none of them except for the coaches and of course you're going against the reigning champs i think that there's so there's so many points that you can apply. There's so many points that you can make about this series and you wouldn't be wrong about any of them. And there's so many storylines, or so many stats that you can you can attach yourself to 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 steer your predictions and that's not wrong either. Well, of course a prediction is a prediction. If we if everyone knew what, what was going to happen then, you know. The stat the, the, the there's two stats. There's three stats that I'm going to attach myself to to bold or to make my prediction with this golden state and kings matchup stat one is experience i don't know how i feel about the whole flip the switch thing i know we've seen it before and we've seen golden state do it but we also saw golden state have Kevin Durant on the team. So it's very easy to flip the switch when you have one of the greatest offensive weapons you've ever seen, along with Steph Curry and Klay Thompson on them. So I know that, but you're going up against, the, I don't think, I can't stress to you enough how lack of experience the the Kings have in the playoffs and how it's been widely documented and widely known that the playoffs are not the the regular season so a lot of the things that you did you build habits in the regular season but in the playoffs you have to execute and if you don't execute you're out of here you're going against a team that just won the nba finals now i'm not saying you know I, i understand this last year and i also understand what we saw in the playoffs but you're dealing with an older team that they understand the regular season. All we did, all we have to do is get in, and boom, we we're still the Golden State Warriors. I I just that's one stat. the 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 fact of the Kings as a franchise have not been to the playoffs since I think two thousand six, compared to the team that has won four championships in eight years. Like okay, now that's one stat. Another stat I wanna I wanna attach myself to is. Neither team plays good defense. I think Golden State is like 18th or something in defense. However, the Kings are statistically the worst, one of the worst defenses in all of basketball. While, yes, they are statistically the best offense, they are one of the worst defenses. And as we know, when you're going up against a team with experience and with uh, going to go... Going up against a team that has Steph Curry, that has shooters And that has droves of Shooters, and that has Players that can combat Your best position, like De'Aaron Fox, you can throw A a Steph Curry, you can throw A Gary Payton, you can throw a Klay Thompson uh, DeMontis Sabonis, you can Throw Draymond Green, you can Throw Kevon Looney, you can Throw Andrew, you can throw These players at them, it's like that's going to be tough for it, for a team, especially a team that on the other side of the ball doesn't play that doesn't play defense at all. Now, yes, Golden State plays middle of the pack or below middle of the pack defense at 18th, but still, that's that's tough, especially when you're going up against the lethal shooters that Golden State has. But on the on the on the but on the I will shoot the Kings some and the third stat that I want to look at is, of course, the waste, the the road game stats. How Golden State is one of the worst. They've only won like eleven games on the road, and I think they've only won two games on the road against a team above five hundred. And you're playing against a, a game, or you're playing against a team in the Sacramento Kings that have one of the best road records in the league. That is what I was talking about flipping the switch it i i it's it's hard when it's just like, all right bro, you've only won you're like eleven and thirty something on the road that's eleven and thirty one or eleven and thirty. That is a tough stat to overlook like come on now like how does how is that even possible, especially when you have one of the best road records or home records in the league it's 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 baffling. And you're going up against the team. I think the f- the second game is the most important game. I think whoever wins game two is going to win the series, in my opinion. Uh, when you, I think this the Kings hear a lot of this. You know, the Kings hear a lot of hey, Golden States this, Golden States that. A lot of people have Golden State winning and upsetting and even Vegas has Golden State favored heavily I think the Kings are going to steal game one or win game one they're at home I think they're going to win game one I think game two is the most important game I think if Golden State I will say this if Golden State steals a game at at Sacramento they're going to they're going to win the series like if they steal game two or yeah if they steal game two or game one. If they win one game in Sacramento, I think they're gonna win. Because it's it's tough when you have the or when you have, you know, the, the, the Chase Center crowd going crazy. Golden Gold, gold States rolling. They just beat it even though it was the, the Portland Trail Blazers without Damian Lillard, they just beat a team by fifty. Like I just it's look. If Golden State steals a game, and if they can, because again, they're two and whatever, they've only had two road wins above with a team above five hundred. If Golden State can steal a win on the road, they're gonna win the series, and I think they are. I think Golden State is gonna win this in six in six. I just think the the the, the Golden State has the best player. And that's another thing about all these series. When you look, even when you go back to... I have arguably the best player in the series winning every single series outside. I mean, think the Bucks, Giannis winning the series. The Cleveland Cavaliers is the only one that I don't think... I think Donovan Mitchell is probably the best player in the series, but I don't have Cleveland winning. Sixers have Joel Embiid, best player in the series. They're winning. Uh, Boston has... Jason Tatum, winning. Nuggets, Nicole Jokic, winning. Suns, Kevin Durant, winning. This one has Steph Curry. And, it, it, again, and, and don't get me wrong, I'm not taking away from how good the the, the Kings are and the Kings have been. Ke- uh, Keegan Murray has the rookie record for three-pointers made. Again, this is one of the best offenses, or statistically the best offense and one of the best road. Teams in the league, it's just oh it, that sounds good. But when you get to the playoffs, it's a different monster, and you're going up against a team that just won a championship and and and, and is championship-lated, and they understand, they know the 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 pr- pressure. Even the younger players, even you know Jordan Poole, Moses Moody, they understand playoff intensity. Even though they didn't play, well, except for Jordan Poole, even though. You know Dante DiVincenzo is probably the only... Well, no, because he has national cha- Even though I know national championship, college is not the NBA. The pressure can still be the same. Uh, uh, and, and I think Andrew Wiggins is going to be big... Has to be big for, for Golden State to win. But I don't know if he has to be big for this series. Now, moving forward, like maybe the next series, yes, he has to be. he Yes. But... I don't think Andrew Wiggins – I think you can – they're going to try to – He's. they said he's going to be on like a minute's restriction, maybe 20 to 25 minutes. I don't know if you want to – his first matchup go up against one of the fastest players in the league in, in De'Aaron Fox. So I think they're probably going to keep him away from that. But you. that's why you have Gary Payton the second. And that's why it was so good that Gary Payton played the last few games – uh, maybe last week or two of the of the season, so he can get his legs on, and he's their best guard defender. So I, I have Golden State in six. I just think the lack of experience is in and in, in lack of defense is going to be the downfall for the Kings. So I have Golden State in six. And the matchup, excuse me, the matchup that has been. Widely talked about and 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 widely dissected has been the two and seven seed, the Golden or no, the Lakers against the Grizzlies. To me, this has been one of the most difficult series to to gauge, and I'm gonna tell you why. What this series, and and, and honestly with the Golden State Series as well, what this series is is asking me to do, and what the Golden State Series is asking me to do is forget about majority, if not all, of the regular season and everything that I saw and the, the, the habits that were built this regular season and just look at the matchup. Because if we're just talking, if we want to talk about the regular season and talk about, you know, Golden State's terrible road record or Golden State's terrible defense against teams above 500, there's no way that you would pick the Kings to lose this. If you're looking at the records and you're looking at, uh, the road records the defensive records there's no way that you would pick the lakers to go up against the seven lakers that are 43 and 39 go up to upset a team that is 51 and 31 in the grizzlies that could possibly have the defensive player in the year in jaron jackson jr that has john morant one of the most exciting players that has dylan brooks that has desmond bain you know so that's what what this what these series are asking me to do is just forget everything we saw in the regular season and all the habits that were built and the fact that the Lakers just came out of the playing. And I might I might do that <laughs> I might do that, man. Here's the thing The Lakers have been one of the best teams after the trade deadline. I think they have the best record in basketball actually after the trade deadline. And one thing that is always an unknown is the health of the Lakers, is the health of their best players, Anthony Davis, LeBron James. As we've seen, LeBron James has missed more time. As the, I mean, he's 38 years old, bro. Like, he's going to miss time. And Anthony Davis, as we know, he's he's on that injury-prone list. So... That is, the, that is the question about, you know, how, how good can the Lakers be? But the Lakers have been really good with D'Angelo Russell, even though D'Angelo Russell was terrible in the playing. And they've been good with Dennis Schroeder. They've been good with Jared Vanderbilt, even though he was terrible in the playing too. They've been good with Trou-ヒ- Rui Hachimura. Like, this is a good team now. At, with the trade deadline moves, this is a good team. And, of course, you have Austin Reeves, who's been a a shocking surprise. When I look at this Grizzlies team, it kind of goes back to when I was talking about the Celtics and the Hawks. This is a terrible matchup for the Grizzlies. When you talk about size, when you talk about the best players, and their positions. The Grizzlies have a tough time matching up with the Lakers' best players, which is of course LeBron James and Anthony Davis. With the loss of Stephen Adams and Brandon Clark, that makes this this Grizzlies front court extremely skinny. Outside of outside of um Jaren Jackson who is going to have to play a lot to me there's no way Anthony Davis can be on the floor without Jaron and Jaron Jackson not be there. Jaron Jackson has to be the primary guard or primary defender for Anthony Davis. The problem that Jaron Jackson finds, though, is he struggles mightily with foul trouble. Now, a lot of that is because he has not had to play a lot of minutes. So when he does, you know, this entire season, but now that he's probably going to have to with Anthony Davis, he and he has some bad fouls. I just it's. We know how good Anthony Davis can be. We know, in my opinion, at his best, Anthony Davis has the talent to be a top five player in this league. And while Jaron Jackson is good, I don't think he has the ability to match Anthony Davis because Anthony Davis can also give it to you on the defensive side of the ball as well. And there's nobody. There is nobody. On the Grizzlies, I can defend LeBron James. Yes, you can throw Dylan Brooks at him. You can throw Desmond Bain, but when LeBron James wants to is in attack mode, it's pretty much a wrap. The Grizzlies. So there are avenues in which the Grizzlies can win. I think that John Morant has to be the best player in the series. I think you know the 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 offensive the when when the Grizzlies play the Golden State Wars, they are the greatest three point shooting team of all time. <laughs> Go look it up. When the Grizzlies play the Golden State Wars, they are the greatest three point shooting team of all time. Every single person on that team learns how to shoot like Steph Curry when they play Golden State. They're gonna have to have that three point shooting when they play against the Lakers cuz the Lakers aren't the best defensive team at all outside of LeBron James and Anthony Davis well outside of Anthony Davis really they're going to need they're going to need to draw from a well that they haven't been able to the Grizzlies they they have to draw from a well that they haven't drawn from this entire season and that's one of the biggest reasons why I don't know if they're going to win the series they have to be one of the best offensive teams which they're not or they're gonna to have to collectively find a way to slow down LeBron James and Anthony Davis, which I don't see them doing. So I have the Lakers winning this series. I have the I, I just think I just think matchups, man, and, and I think the Lakers is a terrible, even though Dylan Brooks said we love to see the Lakers. I think that they could win. Obviously, the, the Grizzlies could win, but I just think how how good the Lakers are playing, how they're rolling even though they didn't play good at all in the play they just fumbled against the Timberwolves um or they just the Timberwolves fumbled I just think the Lakers is a better is a tough tough matchup for the Grizzlies and I have the Lakers winning in 6 I have the Lakers winning in 6 I just I just think being led by LeBron James and Anthony Davis the grizzlies it's is nah, it's it's tough especially how good the lakers are playing going into the playoffs so those are my predictions man uh i'm i'm not I'll, I'll do this once we get to the second round i'll do the second round but those are my predictions those that let me know your predictions uh let me know who you think's going to win again i'm shooting this friday afternoon so i don't know the results of the play in right now uh or the the final games of the play in but even Whoever makes the eighth seed on both sides. I don't think they're beating the Nuggets nor the the Bucks. But it is what it is. Let me know how you let me know what you think. And let me know who you have winning the championship. You know? We'll talk about it. There you have it. That's been today's episode of the Unpopular Podcast. I truly appreciate you guys. If you want a popular podcast shirt, hoodie, sweater, long sleeve joggers, the link is in the description below. I have multiple different colors, multiple different designs, multiple different types of shirts, types of hoodies, types of uh jackets types of of sweaters get your unpopular podcast merch today is getting hot so go get your t-shirts um also please subscribe to if you're listening please subscribe to if you're watching it definitely means a lot to me i i just got over 700 subscribers which is insane uh which i appreciate all you guys subscribe to the tiktok subscribe to instagram follow your boy and i can't do it tell a friend to tell a friend if you like the content spread the word tell a friend it means a lot to me it really really does Uh, and until next time much love